Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 43, recorded on March 29th, 2016. My name is Julie Faithan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Shoebalzer. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. So we are changing our format. Today is a momentous day, and I believe when I presented my mother with my suggestions for the change of format, she said, okay, whatever, it's your show. So she was very helpful in um, formatting this. Anyway. <laughs> um, I believe my title is Sidekick. You're the best sidekick. Um, you can ride in the sidecar when we go cross I was just country. thinking that. Wouldn't that in be the cute? motorcycle. Yeah, right. exactly. I always feel that's inviting death. I, I think you would hate it. You know, like bugs come at your face and you're very low to the road. And I've actually heard from people who've ridden in the sidecars that it's really bumpy. Like more bumpy than you would think. More and more tempting. I know. Super exciting. Anyway. Anyway, aside from our sidecar conversation, so basically, you know, when uh, we started this podcast, I, what I think must be two years ago, longer than that, three, I don't know. It's taken us forever to get to episode 43. And partially, that's because, like, the original idea, okay, I'm backtracking because I'm talking about six things at the same time. So when we originally started this, it was basically, like, Mom and I love to talk, and we love to talk about art, and we thought it would be fun to let people in on our weird little conversations that we have. And then I felt like, oh, we have to have, like, a formal podcast where you have a guest, and you interview somebody, and, like, everybody learns something, and it's educational, and, like, whatever. So the problem is that's, like, hard to do and takes up a lot of time and energy, and it wasn't really the original intention of the podcast. So um, through many conversations with myself, because my mother didn't want to help me, um, what we decided to do... Or because you are more interested in what you have to say. Fair point, Mom. I'm not going to argue with that you on that. Um, we decided that we would change things up a little and just sort of have a regularly scheduled conversation every two weeks. And sometimes we'd have a guest and sometimes we wouldn't. And we would just talk about art and everything arting, which is, of course, the title of the podcast podcast so that's what we're gonna do we're just gonna chat about it and um i was saying so everybody doesn't like that turn it off now <laughs> exactly so everybody doesn't like it thanks so much for your time oh that's the good deal but i think it'll be good i'm excited i'm excited for change well if it enables us to have podcasts more regularly then I think it's yeah, a good Yeah, I think so too. And I'm, I'm excited that we decided to make this change literally right before I go to Australia because I leave on Monday for a month in Australia, which means we're going to record at least two of these, maybe three. I can't remember. I have to look at the calendar to see how it works. But I think at least two of these from Australia, which will be fun with the time change. Thank God you stay up super late. Dracula here. I know, because that'll work out well. So it's funny because I'm packing for this Australia trip. And one of the things that Natalie and I decided is that we're going to buy our art supplies in Australia. Good idea. Yeah, because we just thought like packing all of it just seemed insane. And then the one thing that I'm worried about, oddly enough, what would you think that it is? I haven't got a clue. Come on, mom, play my monkey games. What is the one thing that you would be nervous that would be different in Australia? I don't know. I know. I mean, I literally don't know. So I'm asking you because I thought you'll never guess because it actually came as a little bit of a shock to me. But it's paper. Ah. And the reason that um, I'm a little nervous about the paper is actually has nothing to do with like the quality of the paper or anything like that. But it's actually a paper size because, as you know, like uh, Australia has a lot of UK sized paper. 
And all of the measurements that I use to bind books and to do other stuff are based on U.S. sized paper. So I think you'll be able to handle it. I feel like there's going to be math that I'm not going to want to do involved in I this. also think because it's closer to Japan and they have a lot of good trade relations with Japan, you might get some wonderful art supplies that you <gasps> haven't gotten here. Now, that is super exciting, because, but you know the number one art supply that I'm about to go and buy, like, fill an entire suitcase with because I'm so excited about. Pens? Yeah! My super most loved, most happy Scarlet Lime pen, which turns out to be the, like, what is it called? Like, the bee green pen or something like that. It still exists in Australia, but not in America. So I'm super excited to buy a million of them and just, like, love them forever or until they run out of ink. But then I'll have a million of them, so I won't even care. Good plan. It is. It's a very good plan. So actually, deciding to buy most of our art supplies in Australia has made some of the packing easier because I only have to bring with me really specialized things and then examples of things. And I think that does sort of, like, just simplify my brain a little bit because, you know, everywhere has paint. Everywhere has whatever. I'll bring, like, a couple favorite brushes, you know, that kind of stuff. But really just let – I'm going to go with the flow. And the other thing that I think will be helpful is that way when I'm using something, I don't have to be like, I don't know where you can get it in Australia. I'll be able to say, and I went to whatever art supply store you have here, and I got it there. Just bring your apron. Yes. Actually, Natalie and I got special aprons for the event. Uh-oh. Have Uh-oh. you seen? I don't think I've showed it to you. No. No. It's I can't believe you withheld. Cute. They're super cute. So what we did is we got these aprons that have the uh, Mixed Media Circus logo that I made um, right on the front of them. And if you know the logo at all, so so Natalie and I have actually d- taught a Mixed Media Circus before. So this name is actually from like, I want to say like 2008. And like eight, something horrifically long ago when we were young and beautiful. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But anyway, we did a mixed media circus in Germany and um, the name sort of stuck. So when we were going to go to Australia, we were like, oh, let's do a mixed media circus again. But this time it'll be an art journal adventure. Last time we did other stuff. And um, so what I did is I found an old vintage circus poster and I replaced the acrobats' heads with our heads. And I must say, my body personally has never looked better than it does in this poster. I'm quite pleased with my trim waist and my, my shapely legs. I I can't imagine how surprised people come to the classes are going to be. I know. They're going to be horrified. They're going to be like, oh, no, something bad happened to you. Are you all swollen? Did you get bitten by an Australian spider down here? Anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I've been doing lots of prep for the trip. Um, mostly, I'm, I've been writing blog posts and blog posts and blog posts. Well, I think that's something that people should appreciate, which is that even though you're going to be away for a month and unable to really post blogs, you're working ahead because you know that people really like being able to come five days a week and get something. Yeah, well, you know, it's like one of my favorite things, which is I think people people have said to me, they're like, I hope you don't find this like creepy or weird or anything like that, but I feel like we're friends because I start every day with you. Like I have my morning cup of coffee with you. And I always say that's not creepy or weird. That's actually the most flattering, wonderful thing because – I love the idea that I'm a part of people's daily lives and that my artful adventures like excite or interest them and make them curious. And so it's one of those things, which is I don't uh, I don't want to sort of let people down by having this huge deficit. So what I've done is I've actually calendared out this the the month plus a little bit 
of what's going to happen on each day. And I have like a certain number of posts that I have to prepare ahead of time. And then a certain number of posts that I want to do from Australia about things that I see in Australia. And obviously there's some flexibility in it, but I'm trying to get at least four days a week covered so that like at a minimum, I might miss one day while I'm away. But well, so this explains why, for example, on Monday, this Monday, your blog post began with, hello, it's Thursday. No, it actually began happy Thursday, but I did, I have since fixed it. And the reason it said happy Thursday is because I originally had planned to have that on a Thursday. And then at the last minute, the post that I was going to do on Monday didn't work out. So then I had to move it and I forgot that it said happy Thursday, but it is a good reminder to me to not put in those specific things like hey happy thursday because sometimes it's not thursday oops anyway so (laughs) all of that preparation stuff aside and packing art supplies and doing all that kind of stuff um i've also been i've been seeing a lot of art lately which is good too well let's talk about that and let's also talk about you took all your uh the class at the oh, Museum yeah. of Fine Arts, and you finally came to the end of that. It was in printmaking. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Made me want a printing press, and I like thought of all the different rationalizations for bringing a printing press into my house. They're big. They're big. They're heavy. They're expensive. But other than that, it seems like a really good idea. I also want a kiln and a whole pottery studio, and I would like um, an acetylene torch, which requires some gases that would be a problem with my apartment lease. And yeah, can I have all that stuff, please? Someday. Yeah, someday. When I, don't, I can't sing on this podcast. Everybody will turn it off. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so let's see where to start. So the class I took at the MFA, if you've been reading my blog post at all, was totally fantastic. Um, partially because I did not expect printing with the press to be that different. Um, I mean, I obviously knew that it was going to be different, but I was like, oh, I know how to do printmaking and I know things and it'll be fine. Um, and I loved that there was a learning curve and I was reminded that every new tool, every little change, every little like thing that you make slightly different completely throws everything else, you know, out of whack. And that's great. And it's exciting to me that there are so many things left to be a beginner at, you know, and one of the things that was wildly different, which I was fascinated by was, um, I brought some stencils for a day that we were mono printing. I'm like, I was entranced by the idea that when you put the stencils through the press, what you get is a perfect replica of the stencil. Like you could, it looks to me like when you look at the print, like you could pick the stencil up off the paper. There's not a single bit of the stencil that is missed, mushed, nothing. And it impresses itself into the paper letterpress style. And it it's, it's just it's gorgeous beyond what any jelly print, what any like regular mono print, what any stenciling can do. And I just, I loved it. But what was fascinating even more was that people, including the teacher who is a professional artist and a professional printmaker, uh, had never seen stencils like the ones I brought, which were obviously my crafters workshop stencils. And they were all like, where do you get something like that? Hmm, and maybe you could tell them. I, well, I trust me. I was like, let me tell you <laughs> where you can get that. Um, but it was really interesting to me because I thought there's such a divide sometimes between the fine art community and either the craft or mixed media or whatever you want to call it community of 
just even in like supplies and stuff like that. And I remember demonstrating for the Crafters Workshop at NAMTO, which is the National Art Materials Trade Show. And I would be like, oh, come over and see our stencils here at the Crafters Workshop. And they'd be like, we're an art supply store. And I would be like, what am I selling? Like crack? This is, you know, or like something terrible, dirty diapers. Like this is, this is an art supply. But we had craft in the title and they, a lot of the store owners just refused to come over. And I think like sometimes people just get weird about what is an okay supply to use and what isn't. And yet on the other hand, I see these videos on YouTube and other places all the time, which is are filled with artists doing really compelling and interesting work where they're not using brushes. They're using sponges and reeds and things that they found. You know, and everybody's very clear that that's fine art. Pardon me, I'm going to cough. And that's what the mute on your microphone is, by the way, as far as when you need to cough. Um, and so it's just interesting to me that some supplies are okay and other supplies are not. I think that's, pro you know, we've had this conversation before about the artificial lines between fine art and craft and I think it's a little less now than it used to be but I, I don't know why people cling to it I don't know is it who's doing it is it how much it sells for oh my god it's definitely who's doing it because remember that exhibit we saw at the ICAA the Institute of Contemporary Art in Boston where there was a guy and he was making like um, curtains out of craft store flowers Mm -hmm. and he did a lot of other installations like that and all the signs were about how he was using these like low craft supplies and elevating them to fine art and you and I looked around and we were like I've seen these projects in a million other places before made by women you know who are crafters but because this is a man who doesn't normally do this and it's in this like serious art museum it suddenly is elevated and so then it becomes this thing is it because he's a man that it's art instead of if it was a woman doing it is it because he's intellectualizing about it in a certain way as opposed to not it is that old thing where people say like oh my four-year-old could do that and the question is is it the actual physical act of making the art that's the art or is it the intellectual component of thinking of it and like talking about it that makes it the art well there you go well, it just makes me think. I went to this exhibit both last night and this morning. And this morning, it was totally by accident. And I have to share this because I think it's hilarious. So last week, my dad and I tried to go to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, and it was closed. So then this week, we decided to go to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, and it was closed. And the reason it was closed is because it's closed on Tuesdays and both times. We tried to go on a Tuesday, not realizing that we had tried to go on a Tuesday before. Anyway. There's an intellectual element missing there. Yeah, there there really is. Anyway, so the MFA, the Boston MFA is right near there. So I had gone to the opening of the uh, Mega Cities Asia exhibit at uh, the MFA last night. And then since we were right by there, I said, why don't we go and see that? Because he hadn't seen it yet today. And that is definitely... Um, most of that artwork, I would say, is incredibly highly conceptual. And there's a lot of that that... Uh, not all of it, but a lot of it that many different people could make. But I think the art of it is coming up with the idea, right, and being the mm -hmm. one to create it. What do you think? Okay. I haven't seen it yet. 
But I think that's true about But you've about seen many part of it because you've seen the Ai Weiwei backpack thing, which is part of it. Well, I think the idea, this is a dis an ongoing discussion. Is it about what the art is meant to convey and you had the idea? Or is it that you're supposed to be able to make something that no one else could make? And that's part of the, you know, the bicycle wheel. Yes. In the Museum of Modern Art, that's part of a whole lot of more contemporary art, which is it's about the idea or the performance of the idea. So even a film of you doing something becomes the work of art. Is it the film? No, it's the what you are doing in the film. It's just really uh, a broader definition of what is the art. And I think what what's interesting is why we always try to label it. Why we always want to somehow define it. Okay, this is high art, this is low art, this is craft. Who cares if it's interesting to you, if it says something to you, if it conveys something to you, if it makes you think of something, then it's interesting. Speaking of craft, we went to a craft fair. We always do. But it, it's, it's like a feeding frenzy for us because we love everything. But I think it's interesting that it's called craft. Do, will you describe what we went to? Okay, so... Uh, there are several regularly occurring craft fairs in the Boston area. And uh, there are the people who present there, I think, are artists. And they do certain things that are really fascinating and interesting. And some of them have quite a bit of intellectual content about what they do. But... Uh, what I find interesting is how many different things appeal to different people. So we might, let's say, love a certain person's style and we love everything in their booth. And then somebody else leaves us cold, but the place is jammed. I really think taste should not be prescribed. It's just something, if it appeals to you, then it's it's wonderful. Right. So this is actually a juried craft fair, meaning people have to apply and show examples of their work in order to be able to sell there. But what I like is I like getting to know the artist. We've gone for many years now and we have some uh, uh, relationships with the artists and we can see over time when they have new work and we uh, understand the process they go through to make something. And when I wear the pieces, for example, if I buy jewelry, I have a picture in my mind of who they are. And it just gives more resonance to buying things as opposed to buying something in a store where I have no idea who made it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because this is all very like high level craft, uh, meaning like incredibly well made like your expectation is that it's you know just like I don't know how else to put it like artisan level of like really just well made beautiful stuff and unusual and you're never going to see it you know coming somewhere else and uh, it's always an interesting experience again to like there's this one so there's this one booth that we spend a lot of time at and it's there are people who run it it's the plum dinger studio I think is what it's called Mm -hmm. And they make jewelry of all kind, but she has stories behind all her jewelry and she creates these like, would you say shrines? Well, they're, they're containers, but they're sculptures, really. 
Yes, and so... And the jewelry that she makes is part of the sculpture, and you take it down to wear it, and then you can put it back, and the sculpture itself has all sorts of different associated stories. She writes poems. She uh, has other bits that move in and out. Uh, It's fascinating. Yeah, they're wonderful, and... Um, I even think like what I find so interesting is the way that people display their work at the show. So there's a million jewelry artists, clothing, there's pottery, there's some wall art, there's um furniture, lamps, uh, wooden vases, yeah, yeah, like everything. And I think there's definitely an art of display, right? Right, where you can definitely see, um maybe you get into a booth and you're like, oh, this is way better than I thought. Or you see a booth from way far away and you're like, that booth looks awesome. And then you get there and you're like, uh, underwhelming. Or even, you know, like you said, it's a feeding frenzy. So you start buying stuff and then you get the stuff home and you're like, uh, not as good as I thought it was. Cause somehow when it's an out of the environment that it was in, it's just less fantastic than it was when you bought it. And then there's other stuff where you were like, I wasn't sure about this, but I love it. Yeah, I think, uh, like with anything, that's why I like to go with you. It's good to have somebody else who can look at you more objectively, holding it, wearing it, touching it, and say, oh, that works or that doesn't work. And our ultimate compliment, you and I, is, oh, that looks like something you already own. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's the ultimate compliment, too, of like, I. so I made a new painting recently, which I'm really excited to share on my blog, and... I'm really excited about it. It's different for me, but wouldn't you say it looks like something I made? It does, but it has more emotional depth. Well, I'm glad. It means I'm growing. But I mean, I think that's the thing, which is the ultimate compliment, which is, hey, that looks like something you already own, meaning it's your personal style. And it's the same as like when you create something and it's like, oh, yeah, that totally looks like you. Maybe it has more emotional depth or it's a bit, you know, whatever or then you the already technique do. is more evolved or something like that. You know, it's like you just I was just over at your house and you showed me a new bowl you had purchased from an Etsy artist and you compared it to a bowl you had bought several years ago from the same Etsy artist from the same artist. And she's definitely uh, grown, changed I'm not going to say better. I'm just going to say different. Right. And sometimes that's fantastic because you still love the style and you're evolving with them. And sometimes it can be really hard because you liked some period of time of that artist and you don't anymore. And actually, I found that with one artist who we've bought a lot of work from. Um, In fact, I wore one of her necklaces last night to the MFA opening. And when we went by her booth at the craft fair, I was kind of uh, underwhelmed. I was like, "Eh, I don't like this season. That's okay. I know. But I just think it's interesting because I think, you know, it's again, it's not a good or a bad. It's like a where somebody aligns with your personal taste. Right. Which I suppose is true of any relationship of any kind, right? Like there are some people that you grow with and then I have those friends who you sort of have grown apart from. It's just like they've grown one way and you've grown a different way. Growth is also not a continuous line. So maybe someone is going through a fallow period. And so it still resembles what you saw before. And so you're okay with it because you you already have uh, got that. Or somebody, and this has happened to me many times, which is you're going through a period of time in which your work just sucks. I mean, I'm just trying to think of a nice way to put it. 
But like, I hate the journal that our art journal that I was journaling in before this. And like when people in class asked to flip through it, I like cringe because I hate it because I was just, it was, I don't know. I, maybe I was going through a growing period or a fallow period or whatever you want to call it, but it just sucked. And I think sometimes as an artist of any kind, writer, singer, you know, dancer, whatever, that you have to go through these periods in which things are just not happening. Maybe you have to also, maybe one has to be frustrated a bit and stalled in order to grow in a different direction. Because if you if something is successful, then you keep repeating it. You'd be crazy not to. And And until it's not successful, I think, then you are driven to try something new because what have you got to lose? Well, that's also the idea, like some people always say, which is, um, if you actually got something to be perfect, like why would you ever keep going? Do you know what I mean? Like the thing that drives you and keeps going is because there's something inside you that can't be expressed. You just can't figure out how to express it. So you keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, you know, lots of different ways. And it actually reminds me, so I posted a link on Monday, not Thursday, on Monday, uh, to these portraits that Picasso had done, self-portraits of himself starting at like age 19, I think, and going all the way through until he is 90s. And again, it's like they were so interesting to see how his personal style had evolved. But it's also, I think for me, it was this idea that he was trying to capture you know, at various times himself, what, what am I, who am I, you know what I mean? And just had to keep banging at that. You know what the good news is? The good news is we were just hanging some of your artwork on your walls and moving stuff around. And this latest several things that you've done, each one you thought was the best you've ever done. And then the next one is the best you've ever done. And when you can be that happy with your work and feel that you're developing, that's good news. You know, I feel like I'm in a really good period with my work and I'm actually really nervous about this trip. I know this is going to sound crazy, so just hear me out, but I'm leaving for a month. And while I will be teaching and doing some like travel art, I'm not going to be able to be like regularly practicing, for lack of a better term, the way that I do when I'm home. And I'm kind of nervous because I feel like I'm in a really good space about what will happen with that month what will happen is you'll have new experiences. You'll see new landscapes, new kinds of art. You'll eat new food. It's going to be stimulating. And you will probably have some kind of little journal or your little uh, watercolor. That watercolor journal that you sometimes take on vacations, I think, is a really, it's very few supplies. They're very tiny, but it enables you to capture things. I, I think... You don't have to worry about it. You know, it's like the tide going in and out. I hate to get all nature, you know, Hallmark card, but sometimes the tide is coming in and sometimes it's going out, but it's all part of the same system. And you have to have the one to have the other. Right. No, I believe that. 
I believe that. I think it'll be fine. And I'm actually, I'm super excited to see some Aboriginal art up close and personal. And I'm actually, I'm super excited to eat kangaroo. I talked to a woman from Australia on Saturday and she said it's delicious and very, really? she said it's like really lean beef, but it's not gamey or metallic in any way. Like sometimes um, like buffalo can be, or even um, like deer or venison and stuff yeah. like that. She said it's really delicious. So I'm super excited to try that. And I heard that there are some amazing Malaysian and other Asians, especially South Asian food in um, Australia. Mm -hmm. So I'm super mm -hmm. excited to try all that. And um, I don't know. You know, I judge every trip by the food. Me too. I can't it's like, help where it. are we going to eat? Yeah. There's like, there are like three things that are important to me in life, like food, sleep, and making stuff. Oh, and you, you can be on the list too, Mom. I can be three and a half. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Do you want to say anything about Sweden? Um, Sweden was awesome. It was really two, interesting. Two days in Sweden. Hardly two anyone flies Sweden. to Sweden for two days. I kicked jet lag in the behind and beat the crap out of it is all I want to brag about for just a minute. Um, but Sweden was really interesting. And again, like the thing I'm always struck by is how just walking around a different environment does change your perspective, you know, because listen, we are very much a global world at this point in which, you know, we all watch a lot of the same TVs, we're influenced by a lot of the same fashion, blah, 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 blah. But nonetheless, when you look at different kinds of architecture and you see different kind of clothes and you see different personal style and you see, you know what I mean? Like it does sort of change your perspective for a moment or two. And it was interesting because going there with for Gujan Shodan, which is such a colorful like brand, I was kind of interested i mean it's also partially the time of year that i went but like stockholm was certainly gray and drabby but the buildings were actually themselves were painted quite bright colors in a way that we don't see in cities here in the northeast i think if you went to the southwest or somewhere else you might see some of that or even mm -hmm. just the south but in the northeast we tend to be like black gray white white and that's kind of it so that was interesting too but yeah, that was kind of the Swedish adventure. And I ate some really good food. And I definitely took pictures of all my food. And it's definitely going into my, I'm not calling it Project Life anymore, into my pocket scrapbooking uh, album. Okay. And it was a good time. And then what about HSN? HSN, we sold out. If I haven't bragged about that already, I would just like to take a moment to say, that's right, we sold out. There's nothing that feels quite as good as going down there because I can tell you, having sucked a lemon and been pulled off the air and told you don't get to go on anymore, uh, it is amazing to get an extra airing and to then to hear the magic words sold out. And I feel. Don't they ring a bell too? Um, they ring a, they do like, they ring like a bell in your thing. I don't know if you can hear it on air. Can you hear it on air? I think so. Really? Oh, that's exciting. Cause I definitely like you hear the bell in your ear on the IFB. Um, but HSN was great. And the thing that I like so much about going there is just thinking about, um, I mean, a part of it is that the scanning cut does actually make it easy. And I don't mean to sound like a salesperson and this isn't a sales pitch in any way, but like, because the machine is so versatile, part of the fun of going down there for me is thinking, okay, I've done this presentation 
X many times. Now, I, what, what new thing can I show people that they haven't seen before? What new way of using it can I do? And, you know, I'm a person who's always driven by finding new ways and new ideas. And so that part is super fun for me every time. What's new this time, even though it's the same machine, you know? And then uh, it's like a theatrical performance, which harkens back to your previous career, right? And yeah. instead of applause, what you get is sales. Right. And But I mean, you know what is frustrating? And I think this is true, which is sometimes I can have what I think is a fantastic performance, like just boom, and there's just sales aren't happening, you know? And so I feel like it isn't always quite one-to-one. I think it is true that if you do really terrible, you probably don't have good sales, but there are some times when I feel like I've done like an amazing presentation and it's just not happening. But that happens in the theater too. I mean, if people don't buy tickets. Right. You can be wonderful on the stage or you mm-hmm. can have directed a wonderful show, but there are not too many people to see it. Oh, trust me. Having had shows that like <laughs> three people came to. Yes, I know that. Was I one of the three? No, you don't <laughs> love me enough to come. Yeah, yes, yes, of course you were. So, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, like, it's it's really nerve-wracking. And I think, listen, we live in a performative world right now. We're all performing. Like, I had a friend who was looking at a photo of mine, and uh, I and I was feeling a little like, oh, nobody liked this project. It only got, like, 140 likes on Instagram. Wow. I know, right? And because because I'm used to getting more likes than that on things now, and he was like, "That's more likes than I've ever gotten in anything I ever posted." And I was and I was like, it just threw me for a moment because I was like, "Oh, I'm such a spoiled brat! Like that's ridiculous." And furthermore, things shouldn't be performative. Like, who cares if people didn't like that project? I liked it. I enjoyed making it. You know what I mean? And so. But again, like, and I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I've talked about it lots of other times. It's really hard to let go of what other people think. Well, and the whole point of social media sort of is what other people think. Yes. Because if it isn't, why do you have to put it up there for total strangers to see? And I think what's happened is people go on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, you know, any of these things, and they put up their avatar which is themselves as they would like to be seen and don't ever fall for thinking that that's really them because it's a totally um groomed uh uh presentation of a of artificial self well you and i were even talking tonight at dinner because i said oh look all these people have commented on my paisanki egg post today about how thin i look right? And I, what did I say to you? I said, oh no, that's terrible. I can't believe that. I have to start posting some photos of myself where I look much fatter because then everybody's going to be disappointed when I show up in person and I look how I, you know what I mean, what I look like. And you were like, you're being ridiculous. Yeah. You know, the other thing I've often said this to you, you always have to consider why you assume that the one negative comment is always from the really one smart person out there in the world (laughs) at the most perceptive person whereas the 400 positive comments are from people who just for whatever reason are trying to be nice right right 
I don't know why that operates. I think you're not the only person who does that, but we all do that to a certain extent. But you really have to consider the source all the time. And, you know, Mom, there's nobody that everybody likes. It's the poop in the ice cream theory. <sighs> I don't want to hear about The poop this. in the ice cream theory is that um, if you have, like, a big bowl of poop and somebody – there's no amount of ice cream that anybody can put in there that's going to make it better, Right. That's just the way that it is. I, However, I have never considered okay. that. However, if you have a big bowl of ice cream and somebody puts one tiny, teeny little drop of poop in it, it's ruined forever. There's like no way that you can fix that, right? So that's the thing, which is like when you have something really good and then somebody says one bad thing, even if it's the tiniest little bad thing and there's a million other good things, that one little bad thing is the poop in your ice cream. By telling this story, you've now put the poop in the podcast. Oh, well, on that note, <laughs> let's wrap it up. So uh, so that's the other thing, which is you may notice is this uh, podcast has been a little over a half an hour. So we're going to keep things a little bit shorter, too, in the future. So we unless we have a lot, unless to, we have say, a lot to say, and we will still have some guests. Yes. You're right. And things aren't but changing it's just, forever. It's just a little bit different, a little more regular. Because that's one of the things that people have said is people say, I need new podcasts. And we're always like waiting for a guest, waiting for a guest. So we're just saying, this is the Julianne Eileen awesome show. <laughs> and it's going to happen every other week, man. It's going to happen. So here it is. Anyway, so uh, mom, did you want to say anything in conclusion to wrap up? Absolutely not. Okay. Well, well put. Thank you. Um, so if you'd like to find me online, you can find me online at balserdesigns.typepad.com. And do leave us your comments or questions at balserdesigns.com backslash arting. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag pound arting podcast. That's all one word, A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs>